In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. <coughs> In this season of the Church, uh, around the Feast of the Theophany, uh, many of the readings of the Church are about baptism, about John the Baptist, about uh, people coming to John the Baptist to be baptized, and the importance of baptism. Today we read in verse 22, After these things Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. And so we see the importance of baptism as a sacrament that is for the entry of a person into church and into the life of salvation. And one of the things that is written about baptism every time we read about baptism is that it is for the forgiveness and for the remission of sins. The idea that when we come to God and we are baptized, that all of our previous sins and, and, our, and the original sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve and every wrong thing that we've done and any mistake that we've done is completely wiped away. And if we study a little bit in the scriptures, we see that this idea of the forgiveness of sins is something very, very commonly spoken of and very necessary for us because God sees and understands that we are sinful. He doesn't expect us to be perfect or to be doing always making the right choices and everything, but he expects that we are going to make mistakes, that we're going to fall. And the whole the whole process of salvation and the incarnation and everything that we read about Christ's ministry on earth is because we are sinful. It is because God is restoring us again to a previous state that we were. Sometimes we have a mentality about God that God looks at us who are sinners uh, like in a condemning, judging type of way and we are almost afraid of him. We're afraid of God because of our sins. And certainly there are those that should be afraid of God. But it is not those who are repenting. It is those who are choosing to live in willful rebellion against God. And so when we read about God's characteristics and the way that he shows mercy and love to us, we see that he is a very forgiving God in many ways. So I want to speak about two aspects of this idea of forgiveness. The first one is, how is it that God forgives us? What is it that we should expect from him? And number two, how does God expect us to respond to his forgiveness? How does he expect us to forgive other people? Okay. So the first we'll speak about God's role in forgiveness. And if we run out of time, God willing, next week we'll continue with the second half, but we'll see uh, first God's role. The first uh, characteristic of God's forgiveness of us is that his forgiveness results in refreshment. In Acts 3, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The idea that we carry a burden of sin, and anyone who maybe has gone a long time without confession, um, maybe ashamed or feeling guilty or afraid of what are the consequences of confession or what's going to happen to them, hiding maybe a sin that they are living with, knows that when they come and they confess their sins, there's this feeling of like a release of the burden, of the guilt, of the shame that we carry along with us whenever we are, we are, we are sinning, we're living a, a sinful lifestyle without any repentance and without revealing or exposing our sin. Here he's saying what? That when we repent, our sins what? Are blotted out. That's the first thing. Our sins are completely removed. But that we experience some joy. We experience refreshment. We, 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 we feel a sense of of, of like rejuvenation again, like someone who was like suffocating that now they can breathe again. This refreshment is something that we long for when we think about this idea of forgiveness and repentance. Repentance should not be something that we kind of come to it uh, in a hesitant way, that we come to it not really wanting uh, or afraid of it. Actually, it should be something desirable for us, something that we want, something that we choose, something that we run after. 
because we know that when we confess our sins, we'll receive this feeling of refreshment, that the burden will be lifted from our hearts and that we will feel closer to God and we will feel rejuvenated again. Also, this idea of refreshment helps us to continue in our spiritual life. Because sometimes when we go a long time without confessing our sins and all of this guilt and shame builds up in us, it suffocates us to the point where we feel like we can't do anything spiritual. It makes us not be motivated to pray, not motivated to read the Bible, not motivated to come to the church. And more and more, we find ourselves in this very dark place that is maybe uh, a depressing place, a place where we feel very negative and very sad all the time and feeling distant and away from God and, and feeling bad about ourselves and who we are. And actually, all it takes is that we repent of our sins and we come to God and it says what? That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The second characteristic of God's forgiveness of our sins is that God does not remember our sins anymore. In Hebrews 10:17, it says, Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Also in Psalm 103, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he re has removed our transgressions from us. So this idea of sin or forgiveness is that when we confess our sins, it is like completely removed from the mind of God. You know, someone who can never forget God, who, who is omnipotent and omniscient and knows everything past, present and future. And when God says that I will no longer remember your sins, this is a very powerful statement. He's saying, I am no longer going to consider these sins. I'm no longer going to see them. I'm no longer going to accuse you of them. I'm no longer going to consider that these, e these sins have even happened at all. It's as though that they never happened and it's been completely wiped away clean. God does not hold grudges. God, God does not say, well, you know, maybe, maybe a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, you lived a certain way. And so I will forever condemn you for the way that you used to live and for the way that you used to be, or because of the sins that you are committing even today, uh, that, that God is, is somehow uh, labeling us with a certain label. We do this to one another. We do this. Maybe two people getting into an argument, they remember and they have this record of wrongs in the past and they say, oh, but you know, you did this and you did this and you did this. This record of wrongs is very damaging to any human relationship and God does not do this. God does not have a record of wrongs. When we confess our sins, he says what? Their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So it's important to remember this about God's mercy and about God's forgiveness as he no longer remembers these sins. So even when, when we come to confess, uh, you know, we tell people, don't confess sins you've already confessed. If you've already confessed a sin, don't confess it again. There's no need to confess it again. Really, when we, we, when we feel kind of this feeling like I always want to keep confessing the same sin, I'm not talking about if we commit it again. Yes, if we keep committing a sin, keep confessing. But if I have a sin in my history, right, that maybe I feel really bad about, and I've already confessed this sin, and I've already repented from this sin, that God doesn't even remember it anymore. Sometimes we remember our own sins while God himself has forgotten them. So it's important for us to understand this really about God. Like this is how merciful God is, that he says what? Don't carry this burden anymore. After you have uh, confessed the sin, it is as though this has never occurred, right? Certainly there might be negative consequences of sin that we have to deal with, right? And that's not going to change necessarily after we confess or we repent. But from the spiritual perspective, that bondage to that sin is broken and that it is no longer there. 
And, and God is not going to come and judge us or point out that sin to us on judgment day and says, do you remember when you did this? No, because he doesn't even remember that it even happened. So imagine if someone really is faithful in their repentance, that on the day of judgment, if we have confessed every sin that we commit, then God will say, I have nothing against you because I do not remember any sin that you've ever committed. And beyond that, when we ask God for forgiveness, we ask him what? To forgive us the sins that we committed knowingly and unknowingly, right? Meaning there are sins we are always committing. You know, we're, we're, we're always sinning against God, even in ways that we are not aware, right? But if my attitude towards sin is in whatever sin that I'm aware of, that I choose to repent of it, and I ask God to help me to grow in it, then even those sins that I am not aware of, God has mercy on us about them as well. So again, the idea that what God is so faithful that he says, even though he does not forget anything, and yet when it comes to sin, if we confess it, he says, I will remember your sins no more. Another aspect of God's forgiveness is that it is not merited. It is not merited. In Daniel chapter 9, it says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Meaning it is not because we reach some status of holiness and now because we've reached the status of holiness god said okay now i will begin to forgive you you have earned the right to be forgiven you have earned the right to be forgiven this is not the way that forgiveness works this is not how forgiveness works forgiveness is coming from god he is the lover of mankind he is the one who chooses to forgive out of his own mercy you know in the book of romans it says what that even when we were still sinners christ came and died for us you know, at what point did Christ decide, what point did God decide that he was going to be incarnate so that uh, he would be crucified on the cross and save us from our sins? Was it based on our action? Was it based on because he waited for one year when all of humanity was really good and he said, okay, now everyone deserves this and so I'm going to come today. I'm going to come on this year. Actually, it's the opposite. Maybe we are getting even worse and worse and further and further away from God. And yet it was during this time that God said, Today I will come and I will save my children from darkness and the power of death. So it is not merited. It is not based on me. God offers forgiveness to anyone, right? He, he, asks, he, he says, just come to me with sincere, authentic desire for repentance, for, for, for admitting wrong, for admitting that what I have done is wrong and wanting to change. And he said, I will forget your sins completely. It is not merited. It is not based on anything good that we have done. And, and this is why we see examples of people like the right-hand thief. The right-hand thief was a man who lived his entire life as a sinner, his entire life. If we were to look at a man like the right-hand thief prior to this encounter on the cross, we would look at him and said, this is a person I want nothing to do with this person. This is, this is a criminal. This is a person who deserves to be in jail for the rest of their life. This is a person who deserves the death penalty. This is a person who is like the worst outcast of society, and we want nothing with him. And if you were to ask anyone about this man, and you say, does this man have salvation? Is this man going to go to heaven? Universally, everyone would said, of course not. That's like a ridiculous question even to ask about this man. And yet this man, because in his heart was this spirit of repentance, that on the cross he repented, and that God accepted him in that instant, in that moment. He didn't have to go and to make reparations. He didn't have to go and say, okay, you know what? Now I have to, um, I, I have to like, you know, go back and, and make right everything that I did. And unless I do that, God is not going to accept me. Certainly, if the man continued his life and, you know, could have continued in the world, he could have gone back and tried to return the things that he stolen. And he could have made right as much as he could. And he might have even gone to prison 
and, and, and lived in prison for the rest of his life for the sins that he committed. But none of those options were available to him. And so Christ accepted him and he said, your repentance was authentic. And because of that, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the power of the forgiveness of God. And so sometimes we find ourselves in this situation. Are we worse than this thief? Are we, are we worse than living an entire life of sin without repentance? And at the very last instant before our life is done, we come to God and we say, forgive me. And that we would expect that God would forgive. This, this is the power of God's forgiveness. Another aspect of God's forgiveness is that it frees us from darkness. Frees us from darkness. In Colossians chapter 1, St. Paul says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So he has delivered us from this power of darkness, meaning the hold of sin on us and the darkness of sin that is surrounding us. He has freed us from this slavery and he delivers us from this overwhelming guilt and shame that we have. This idea of when I am separated from God and when I am living in sin, it is like I am living in complete darkness. I cannot see the light. I cannot see, see, see God. I cannot even understand God's message. You know, those people who are living away from God and living in darkness and sin, when even someone comes and speaks to them out the word of God, the scriptures, this could be, this is foolishness to them. They don't even understand it, right? When we are living in sin, it's like we are in darkness. We cannot see God's light. That even though God might be in our presence right there, but we cannot see him. We don't perceive him. We don't even know that he's there. We don't, we don't feel even that he's calling to us and he's calling us to repentance because we are so blinded by the sin that we are committing. And it's like we're walking around in our lives with our eyes closed and we don't, we don't see. We become so obsessed with the sin and we, we, we forget even that, that, that there is anything else but this. Our desire and our fixation is on the sin. And yet when God comes to forgive us, he frees us from this life. He makes us to see the world in a different way. The world looks different when our relationship with God is right. When my relationship with God is right, I have hope. I, I see the world for what it actually is, as temporary. I see it as something not so attractive. I see it like I am above this world. I am not, I am not enslaved to this world. I feel separated from it. I feel like really a sojourner, a traveler, that I'm here for a time, but this is not my home. When I feel God's forgiveness, when I feel like I have a strength in my relationship with him. The last point about God's forgiveness is that it breaks the bonds of sin. In Micah chapter 7, it says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy and he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. It's a, it's a very beautiful way, again, to capture how the magnitude of God's forgiveness. He says he does not retain his anger forever. When we sin against God, he is not going to remain angry with us, right? He, 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 he's so quick to forgive and it subdues his anger completely. And also it says he will have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. What does it mean to subdue our iniquities? Not only is he going to say, okay, I forgive the sin that you are committing. He's saying, I'm going to break the sin. I'm going to break the power of sin in you. This is the power of the transformation of the Holy Spirit and the life of a believer. 
that when we are coming to God and we're saying, God, help me to break this sin. I do not want to commit this sin anymore. This sin is it's constantly harassing me. These addictions are bothering me I, and they are causing me like, like pain and suffering and I'm going through the cycle over and over and I feel like I'm a slave. I have no free will. As much as I am trying to like stop committing sin, I am unable to stop. I'm unable. It is, it, it is so attractive to me. I'm so under the power of sin that I cannot even break. Here God is saying that the forgiveness is not just about I forgive each individual instance of sin that you commit, but I am breaking the power of sin in your life so that you will no longer be enslaved to it. So you will have freedom to resist it. So you, not only are you will have freedom to resist it, but he will change our nature so that we do not even desire it anymore. And really, this is when we get to, when we speak about passionlessness, that I am not passionate anymore about the sin, meaning the sin is no longer even desirable to me. It's not something I enjoy to do. Maybe before I enjoyed sin and I couldn't control myself, and so there was nothing I could do to stop it, and I was constantly in this war with sin. And if we, in that moment of that war, while we're in that war, if we try to do what we can, and we try to stop the sin as much as we can. And we ask for God. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to work on us, to change us. He begins to change. We see the lives of so many people in the history of the church. And, and maybe in our own friends and family. That have changed their lives because of the power of the Holy Spirit in them. You know, one example that just comes to mind is St. Moses the Strong. St. Moses the Strong, he was a gang member. He was a villain. He was a murderer. This was his life. This was who he was. And yet when the power of the Spirit moved in him and he felt repentant, he joined the monastery. And even when he joined the monastery, it was not that in an instant all of his passions were gone. It is not like all his desires changed. It's not like in one moment, in one instant, everything changed. God forgave him, yes, but it took time. It took time. But over time, he became a saint and he, was, he, he admitted all of his sins and the power of sin in his life broke so it was no longer a desire anymore. At the beginning, he, how serious was he in his repentance? He would wake up like, you know, 20 times in the middle of the night. Every time he felt any type of temptation, any time he had even a sin of the mind, he would wake up in the night and he would go to his father of confession and he would confess his sins. And that's how serious he was in seeking the forgiveness of God. And God seeing his sincerity in this, he completely broke the power of sin in his life. So that at the end of his life, not only was he a saint, but he understood what it meant to be a sinner. And whenever other people or other monks in the monastery were sinning, St. Moses, more than anyone else, was compassionate on them, understood their plight, refused to condemn them or to judge them because he himself was like this. And he understood the power of sin and the power of the slavery that, that it means to be under the sin. So God not only forgives our sins, but he breaks the power of sin altogether so that it no longer has power over us. So we spoke about a few points about God's role in forgiveness. The first was that God's forgiveness results in refreshment, that, that it brings joy, it brings peace, it brings us a sense of, of happiness because we feel like we are right with God. God's forgiveness is one where he does not remember the sin that we confess. One, if we confess a sin, it is completely wiped from his mind as though that it never even happened. The third characteristic of God's forgiveness is that it is not merited. It is not because we have done something to earn his love or his mercy. It is because of who he is, not because of who we are. Uh, next, it frees us from darkness. 
It frees us from, from living in a life of separation from God and all the negative aspects that come with that. And then finally, God's forgiveness breaks the bond of sin. So not only does, does God forgive us of sin, but we, it breaks the bonds of sin altogether so that we can overcome the power of sin, the addictions that we have, and so on in our life. So today we spoke about God's role in forgiveness. God willing, next week we will speak about man's role in forgiveness. Because God said what? If... If you want me to forgive you, then you have to do something. You also have to forgive one another. So we are going to speak about this, God willing, next time. May God grant us to see his love and his mercy as it is, to see the power of forgiveness that he has offered to us, even though we do not deserve. And glory be to God forever. Amen.